I'm Aaron. This is Paul. And this is Wayne. Well, you know, it's a... Uh... I find that I have a lot more money in my wallet when DC is publishing crap. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, a, bought, uh, I bought not a single DC Comics book this week. Not a one at all. Yeah, I bought no DC or Marvel this week. I bought oh. uh, Blade number one this week. And, and Alien number four. And, yeah, and Alien number four. And I also bought uh, a number of back issue books in the Comicsology sale. Uh, they've got the uh, X Men Milestones books on sale. Oh, yeah! I am really in the mood for X Men right now. After getting a uh, particularly good sale on HeroClix X Men stuff, mm. and I want some older X Men books because I ha- I just hate what they're doing with X Men right now. So I well, haven't get- read X Men in a while. Get on out there. I think that sale runs through the 24th, and they're they're like five bucks plus you get your Comicsology Unlimited discount, so it winds up being four something. But uh, I picked up uh, several of the Milestones books, you know, some of the event stuff that I've never read before. So anyway, so it was weird when I went out to Comicsology this week. I noticed it looked like every book was free. Apparently, they had something going on for a while now where they like every time I buy books, it was saying it was adding like reward points or something yeah and those all just showed up so i had like 36 dollars worth of credit to buy stuff with yeah i cashed in um i i'm i have this fear that that program because they keep referring to it as a pilot program or a beta program or whatever and so i keep fearing that all of a sudden those points are going to disappear so i cashed in a whole bunch of them several weeks ago and then i cashed in more this week on the comiXology sale so all those books that were like, you know, 444 uh, were actually, you know, free 95 <laughs> because I used the uh, points to cash them in. Yeah. Now that you're mentioning the sale, that's the perfect time to use it. Yeah. It makes your dollar go even farther. So we are not sponsored by Comixology. No, but it's funny you should mention Comixology, gentlemen. And besides the fact that that's what we read all our comics on. Right. Still not sponsored. By, yeah. by comics yeah. but the fuck uh, but okay yeah i feel like get on it freaking amazon but i mean um, we've already done what you've asked we barred andrew from the show <laughs> that was the first step apparently <laughs> give you an inch <laughs> yeah, right but you know the guys who started comicsology or you know used to run comicsology david steinberger and chip mosher um you know they used to work for comicsology you know b- before it was acquired by amazon and they have launched a new digital comic service, which I was unaware of. Yeah, I hadn't heard of it till this morning. Yeah, it's called Distillery, D-S-T-L-R-Y. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a new publisher of print and digital comics, and it's doing things a little bit differently in, in that, you know, um, it, it publishes the books both in print um, as oversized premium format single issues. Think your prestige format titles, your like DC Black Label. And they're going to be published digitally on their website. Um, and, you know, that that's not anything new. But the digital single issues will be available for purchase up to one week after the release. So if you want something day and date, you buy it digitally. And you can resell them after reading them after that point um, at a price of the owner's choosing with a percentage of each resale going back to the creators. Wow. So it's, it's, um, it's kind of one of those publishers that... You know, it has these guys, but they have creators with investment stakes in it. Um, so their their launch creators include Scott Snyder, James Tinian the Fourth, 
Ram V or five. I don't know. Uh, Becky Cloonan, Joel Jones, Brian Azzarello, uh, Jock, Jamie McKelvey. I mean, it's got a, a pretty good um, batch of creators uh, to signed up for, for this, this project. So I'm, I'm curious. I think the first book that they're publishing comes out later in August and is like a, a preview of their other comics. Mm-hmm. Seems interesting. And, and the reason I mentioned it is I think, you know, they announced that their first title was a, um, like a science fiction book from Jock. Uh, and they announced that at San Diego Comic-Con. The real question is, how good is the app? That will be the question <laughs> on whether Andrew reads it or not. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I, I've got, uh, I, I feel pretty good about the, I, I'm pretty optimistic about the quality of the app, given the pedigree of the guys behind it. Fair. You know, they did bring yeah. us comiXology after all. So, yeah, uh, I uh, I am confident that the app will get good. The question is, what will it be at launch? That's fair. We'll it's see. I mean, took with them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there, there were certainly a lot of talent available because Amazon cut so many of them. So maybe mm-hmm. they took a lot of their guys with them. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested. You know, I'm I'm always worried about new comic book companies. Right. Yeah. Um. You know, some so many of them don't hang around, but these guys have demonstrated their longevity and their understanding of what comic book readers want. So uh, I'm curious to see how it goes. Yeah, and embracing the digital frontier. You know, that's yeah. important for me. That's why I haven't I haven't read a single book of the uh, Frank Miller Presents. Yeah, and I was pretty excited about you know them launching that with Ronin Two and some of these other books. Um, I haven't read a single one because they're print only. Right. And uh, you know, that, I think one of the things that Hopefully this distillery, you know, to your, to our point, it's got to have a good app because if you're hard to find on Comixology, you know, if you're not on I, Comixology, I'm likely not reading you. That's why I don't read any of those. Um, what was the big like blog thing that every creator went into? Recently? Oh, you're talking Substack. about yeah, Substack, Substack. Yeah, like what happened to that? Is that still a thing? It, I, I I don't know. It's definitely <laughs> never still a thing. I've never read anything off of it, but I keep hearing authors talking about it. It just feels like when it feels like everything that was on there, a, a lot of things that are were on there are now just published books from like Dark Horse or IDW right. or something got right. picked up. Um, the one that I was interested in was the Jonathan Hickman universe. I just don't know if it's still happening. You know, he's yeah. back doing Marvel stuff now. It just it didn't seem like it was going to be a long term lucrative thing. And yeah, hey, honestly, you knew the, that going in. <laughs> the only place I hear about it are creators that use it like another Patreon. So they'll be on yeah. Patreon, Substack, and Kofi, and then release the same content across all three. I've not gone into the Patreon rabbit hole in the same way I did Kickstarter <laughs> when, when that was a, a big thing. Um, you know, the like the monthly. You know, like creators who have like a monthly Patreon, like, hey, seven dollars a month and you get original content. I'm like, yeah, but for five dollars a month, I get Peacock. It doesn't feel equivalent <laughs> to me. <laughs> you know, the level of content I'm paying yeah. for doesn't feel equivalent. And I know that's different. You know, I'm supporting uh-huh. supporting creators, but I also don't like reading comics off of a blog. Yeah, and there are a few creators that I support on Patreon, but. Mostly I do it to support the creators and half the time I don't even get any of the content that they're releasing. I don't go out there to get it because it's not in the apps that I use to get my content. And, you know, that's kind of what happens to me with Kickstarter, you know, because usually I'll like I'll go in and and support a Kickstarter project and, and I'll do like at the digital level most of the time, because a lot of times I don't want the print media. Yeah, but. 
I frequently forget to go out there and get the digital content. You know, I mean, I also think, oh, yeah, I did bid on that thing. You know, I, I need to, you know, I did pledge on that thing. I need to go get that. And in particularly, it's bad with RPGs because there'll be so many, you know, stretch goals that get populated to your, you know, digital vault uh, after, you know, long after the uh, the campaign has ended. I mean, I'm still getting stuff on on Savage Worlds games that you know I I pledged oh, yeah. years and years ago, and they still hey look we updated your your folder with a new thing, you know <laughs> really okay yeah. or just I advertising think... their new product I get that a lot like yeah. Jimmy Palmiotti I contributed to one of his Kickstarters and that dude just basically publishes constantly through Kickstarter yeah. well so and it's, it's multiple notifications a month it's like if you've ever made a, a uh, contribution to a political campaign, they will never forget you oh, all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The good thing about RPGs at least is that most of them will, if you use the same email address that you use at drive through RPG, they'll just update right. your catalog over there. And yeah. so you log in and just hit a button to claim them all. Otherwise I wouldn't get most of my digital content from them. Hmm. Yeah. Such are these are our real first world problems, aren't they? <laughs> they are. They are. Welcome to old guys. That's right. Paul. Old old guys with disposable income. <laughs> old guys with disposable income with Aaron and Polly. <laughs> Isn't that just every comic book podcast though? <laughs> Pretty much. Well, you know, this weekend while we record, this is San Diego Comic Con, and we talked a little bit about it last week. That you know, no big. I mean, there's there's a couple of actually, I think we talked about it in our Star Trek podcast um you know just about the the star trek panel that will be happening today as of this recording um but you know there there are other panels throughout the weekend big dc and marvel news probably not a lot of movie news tv news coming out of this comic-con um especially with the writers and actor strike going on so no surprise appearances by like the rock or anything like that will will be happening this weekend but some news has already come out um, out of San Diego Comic-Con. A couple of Marvel uh, comic book news items, which I'll get to in a second. But for me, the most exciting news that has come out is that Warner Brothers is going to be releasing Batman Mask of the Phantasm in 4K. That is super hot news. On September 12th. Like, it's not even that far off. Yeah. Like, six weeks away. Six, seven weeks away. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. No, I I saw that yesterday. I was like, oh, that's 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 pretty hot. That is yeah. pretty, pretty hot. I I'm excited about it. that. You know, yeah. I'm wondering I you, what. Go ahead. I, I was just gonna say I knew you would. I knew the minute I saw that, you know, Paul, money spent. <laughs> yep, 100, <Yeah>. percent zero <laughs> yeah. doubt. Yeah, um, if I still did physical media, I would, but I don't buy anything like any discs anymore. But it comes with a digital copy. Oh. So, so you know, I, this way, in case it ever, in case something ever goes awry in the digital arena, I also have the 4K. Uh, Can I, uh, I? I'd like to just point something out. I think the disc publishers don't understand the added value of the digital code because a lot of times I see that they don't include it in the advertisement. That yeah. also a digital code. And if you tell me that there's a digital code in it, you will. You are much more likely to get my business. Yeah. I bought the. You know, I sent you a picture of the uh, the mummy collection oh, yeah. that I bought, mm-hmm. right? 
And when I bought it, there was nothing in the advertisement that there was a digital code, but it was in the Prime Day sales, and it was like twelve bucks or something. I'm like, well, fuck, for twelve bucks, I'll, I'll I'll pick up the Mummy collection on Blu-ray. And it got here, and it's got the digital code. And I mean, it is so much more useful to me with yeah, the digital. I wish code. I had known that. Um, I, I actually bought the Mummy trilogy digitally on Prime Day, and uh-huh. if I had seen that, I could have gotten the physical media. You know, like it's, it, it, when, again, when it comes to movies, I. I, I just want the physical media as a backup, right? Well, uh, I, you know, with the strike going on and everything, yeah. there there is no doubt in my mind that on the other side of this strike, all of our streaming services are going to increase in cost by a really distinctive amount because there's no way that the streamers can provide to writers and actors what they're what they're wanting for without either digging into their own pockets or digging into ours. And when it comes down to a choice between those two, it's going to be our pockets they get into. And I think you're going to see a lot of stuff leave streaming, which means your physical media is going to be relevant once again. Um, but at a minimum, the costs are going to go up. That's just the way this stuff works. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, see, and- in my case, I would definitely, if I could get a physical copy with the code for the same price, I would definitely do it to have the physical backup. Same. Yeah. But I will never put in a physical disc ever again, I don't think. I don't even have, I, I have a PlayStation 4 is the newest thing I have that plays media. And I, it hasn't been turned on since the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, um... I rarely do. The only the only time I really insert a, a physical disc anymore, um, one obviously I have some older movies that I just haven't repurchased, but sometimes I'll, I'll still repurchase them digitally, um, just to have them digitally. But also um, certain special editions, like your, you know, like <sighs> Shout Factory, because I love uh-huh. horror movies and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you know, when they have a special edition, those don't include the digital codes, like some of those, like 40th anniversary of this thing. Right. Um, and so that's that's literally why I own a a 4K player is for discs like that. But yeah, you know, I, most new movies nowadays that are coming from from like a, a major distributor or you know major movie company do include the digital code. Well, I uh, I picked up Buck Rogers in the 25th Century, the complete series. Nice. Because you can't, it doesn't stream anywhere, right? And, you know, so I, that has been my physical media experience recently, getting up and you know switching discs in the player. Uh, but, you know, I, I love that series. It is campy wonder and glory. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's it's such a strange feeling, you know, not just clicking over to an app and, you know, running something streaming to, to the uh, to the device. But, you know, I. I, I think that there will be a return. I think there's going to be a return to some extent to physical media because I think so much of this stuff is going to leave the services because they're going to have to create a new pay model, right? Oh, yeah. They're going to have to create a way for actors and writers to receive some kind of residuals that they're not currently receiving. And I think that's going to you know cost to have stuff there. It's going to cost you – know, you're not just going to buy whole libraries anymore – uh, meaning that the the streamers aren't just going to buy the entire library. They're going to have to buy stuff, and if people are watching it over and over and over again, they're going to have to pay people for it. There's going to be some kind of transparency in the data. Um, I, I, I think those libraries are going to shrink. Honestly, for me, if it comes to that where things are not on streaming and not available on streaming, 
I'm going to look at it like it's something on Apple TV. I just won't watch it anymore. Yeah. Or yeah. I won't uh, I won't get to partake in it because well, I'm not going back to physical. It's just well, it's not happening. I uh, I recently subscribed to Apple TV. I am deeply, deeply enjoying Foundation. I, I am about to finish season one. It is so good. And uh, Paul, you got me hooked on Ted Lasso. Okay, how far in are you? I we are in season two. I think we're about to finish season two. Okay, yeah. So, season two is, is the weakest the first, of the three, but I say Foundation is the first thing that has really tempted me. But no, I will not give it, Apple my money. I got to tell you, Foundation is movie quality effects, uh, fantastic casting with a cast of people I've never seen before, except one or two actors. Um, it's, it's fantastic. I cannot begin to express uh, how much I'm enjoying Foundation. Well, Aaron, when you're done with Ted Lasso, because I'm, I'm assuming uh-huh. you're, you're watching Foundation on your own and you're watching Ted Lasso with the wife. That is correct. You, you guys should move on to Shrinking next. Yeah, that's the one with uh, the guy from How I Met Your Mother, right? Yeah, Jason Siegel and Harrison yeah, Ford. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't yeah, know. I, I don't know how, how I feel about Harrison Ford in a comedy. It, it works really well. It's it's Does probably it? the the best acting he's done in the last twenty years. So okay, all right, give it a shot. I'll give it a shot, Paul. It's free. It's well, it's included in the cost of your your membership. Yeah. Well, I, like I said, Ted Lasso is just fantastic. I yeah, can't, can't get over how much I'm enjoying Ted Lasso. Well, the shrinking is by the guy who plays uh, Roy Kent, who's one huh. of the creative people on Ted Lasso. He also writes and directs Oi. on Ted Lasso. Oi. <laughs> this is his show. Like he, you know, it, it's basically the the same creative team except Jason Sudeikis. So, Interesting. Okay. Yeah, give a shot. All right. All right. Well, you know, all, in other San Diego Comic Con news, um, I, there was a, a Marvel panel. I think yesterday at the time of this recording, um, and they made a couple of, of announcements of Marvel Comics, one which we already knew, but they gave kind of a first look and reminded me that it's still coming, actually, is J. Michael Straczynski is doing uh, is writing the upcoming volume of Captain America. I got to say, the uh, the preview pages didn't sell me on this. I mean, really? I was going to I was going to I was going to check it out, you know, just because I like JMS and you know he's got a, a good track record with me. But I, the the artwork reminds me of some of the digital artwork uh, of the 90s. I was not real jazzed about that. Hmm. There was a texturing to it that I just don't hmm. care for. And it could just be the preview pages. And you know, I'll probably still check it out. But I just they didn't sell me on it with the artwork. Yeah, I haven't looked a... at the artwork yet. But it's Straczynski writing Captain America. I'm interested. Because at this point, it's really difficult for comic news to get me excited. Mm-hmm. But creators are more likely to than actual comic storylines. Yeah. Wayne, did you read uh, JMS's autobiography, Becoming Superman? No. I think you'd really enjoy it. It's uh, it, the the guy has led a really troubled life, or at least had a really troubled uh, childhood. Um, I, uh, I I think you'd really get a kick out of it because it's really kind of him. Uh, following in the footsteps of superman sort of uh, emotionally uh a really very interesting book hmm. recommended hmm. And they've got it on uh, audible i will take a look well and aaron the artist on that captain america is jesus saiz 
Brian, and what didn't he do the Punisher book? Yeah, he did the Punisher yeah. book that we we just uh, that just ended. And and I, I will tell you, I had some of the same concerns uh, in portions of the Punisher book, and just the way the artwork was textured. Mm-hmm. It just there there was a digital element to it. It seemed to me that I just didn't care for. No, I get that. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, speaking of the Punisher, they also announced. Because Marvel just can't let anything be dead for for more than a few months. Frank Castle's not dead. He's fighting his war in the weird world. True, true. And they announced that the new Punisher is not actually Frank Castle, but retired S.H.I.E.L.D. Black Ops agent Joe Garrison. Mm. Yeah, I I was thinking about that, and I wondered if they are trying to kick off a new Punisher, hoping that he'll take off because Punisher himself is dated. Yeah, because I think so. how, how yeah. long can you keep telling the story of someone that's a Vietnam vet? Oh, yeah, I'm sure that's part of it. I also probably they probably want to keep the Punisher at least somewhat in the limelight with the upcoming Daredevil TV series. So, I mean, I'll give it a shot. I, I always give Punisher a shot. It can't be as yeah, bad I, as Frankencastle. Yeah, I'll check out the first issue. I mean, <laughs> and I found Frankencastle charming. Uh, <laughs> I, I have to say, I, I am interested in the you know Frank Castle Punisher wandering across Weird World. I have to say, I have some morbid curiosity in that. Yeah, it's an interesting concept. But at the same time, where his character was left off, I'm fo- also fine letting Frank Castle be. Same. I mean, I do feel like it was a good closure. And there's a part of me that just says, just says, let him be dead. Yeah. You know? Uh, I mean, and there are there are character deaths to me that no matter what the publisher has come back and done since, I consider them still dead. Right. Jean Grey is still dead from the first time she died on the moon. Right. That is uh, she she never came back to life. She never joined X Factor. (laughs) You know, she never married Scott. Jean Grey is still dead, in my personal opinion. Um, same with uh, you know Marvel, you know, Mar- and you know Marvel has done a pretty good job of keeping Marvel uh, dead, the original Captain Marvel. Uh, you know, there there are just some some characters that you know that was that was the place for them to to end, right? On the flip side, there are characters that in my head canon are still alive, like Alfred Pennyworth. <laughs> Fair point. I refuse, to, I refuse to acknowledge that Tom King storyline. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't get behind the Jean Grey's death there being permanent because my favorite Jean Grey stuff came afterwards. X Factor was that run was just huge for me comic wise. Yeah, I just I, I I feel like what Chris Claremont and John Byrne and Terry Austin did in uh, Uncanny X-Men 137 was was appropriate and you know we didn't need to see uh, see that character back. Just like Thunderbird, we didn't need Thunderbird back. Thunderbird died. You know these these guys are dead. Keep them dead. Stay dead. Dead is dead. Uh, which is why I don't read X Men books because dead is a mild inconvenience. Not oh, even an inconvenience. I think that's coming to an end. I think in the, that Fall of X storyline. I really hope so. I, I won't read. Stuff. I will not read I, any of the X Men books as long as the uh, Krakoa rebirth thing is a thing so i got a hot take for you Wayne. Uh-oh. you're a silly man <laughs> because death has never been death in the x-men books to your point gene gray came back to life came back to life several times if i recall um x-men always come back so why not make it part of your story that they can respawn 
Um, I think it's a really interesting evaluation of how essential, essentially immortality and absence of the consequence of death plays into that storyline. I've been fascinated uh, by the impact of the you know resur- resurrection ability of the X-Men and, and how that has affected their storytelling. Uh, I've really enjoyed those stories over there that I've read, and I've read a, a lot of them. I won't say I've read the majority of them because there are just so many fucking X-Men books. But uh, I, I, the, the stuff I've read, I've really enjoyed, and I like how that nuance plays into it. Yeah, for me, it killed all interest in the title. I really have zero but, interest but in responding I mean, X-Men. Why make that your line in the sand when they have always brought characters back? I mean, it's They've always That's brought characters back, but they at least have to write a storyline around it. And so the storyline is we have the ability to resurrect people. It's yeah, I hate that storyline. Okay. It makes it means that death, there is zero consequence to them whatsoever. Yeah, there never has been a consequence, though. That's Some characters have stayed it's, it's dead, a, but at least they stay dead for a little while. It, it, it <laughs> is. You're a silly man. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> no, silly, those, books silly are, those books are terrible. Well, because let's talk about si- something that's that's not terrible. Not terrible. <laughs> is that. Well, hopefully, I, hopefully I'm not the only one excited about Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong, a seven issue crossover that f- sees the barriers between worlds break down and the creatures of the MonsterVerse spill over into the DC universe. I think I that real- looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, I really yeah. want to be excited and I hope it's good. I did not like the Power Rangers uh, Godzilla crossover at all, but hopefully this one will be much better. Yeah. And the writer is Brian Bucalato, who I do like. Um, artist Christian Ducey and Luis Guerrero. Not familiar with either one of them, but the preview pages look pretty good. Yeah, it looked pretty sharp. I, I think yeah. that looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I'm excited about it. I, you know, yeah. it's funny because they announced it and I'm like, huh, it's kind of funny. That's li- that's never been done before. Yeah. And I don't know, like in, in I mean, all of these characters have been around for 60 plus years. You would think someone would have thought of this before now. Yeah. No, I, I think it looks like fun. I, I, I'm I'm interested to see what they do. I want to see how Batman plays into this. <laughs> <laughs> How's Batman going to get I am sure there will be a giant Batman robot. Yeah. I have a feeling. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, maybe. You, you can't maybe. have those characters and not have a giant robot. I mean, we know Batman yeah. even has multiple giant robots at his maybe there Maybe there could be Bat-Mecha-Godzilla. Yes. Ah. <laughs> Look at that. We just wrote your model for you, DC. Modeled on the T-Rex, modeled on the T-Rex that he has in the Batcave, right? <laughs> I love it. Make yeah. it happen. Yeah. Well, you know, um, Aaron. Sir. I sent out a text last night requesting that anybody who reads the Alien book from Marvel Comics get caught up on that Alien book. In fact, and I, said, I did. Please get caught up. Please I get did. caught up I did on that Alien th- tonight for tomorrow. I did that thing, Paul. Because, you know. I've been read. I, I haven't been reading this book consistently. Like I think I just got caught up on issues two and three before reading issue four. And you know, I think we we started the book and we're like, it's good. It's not like great. And I'm like, okay, it's kind of your average generic alien story. And then things went batshit crazy <laughs> in Alien issue four to the point that I'm like, oh no, we we can't not talk about the level of batshit crazy this Alien book got in this issue. Well, and there was a level the, the crazy's been amping up all through. And in fact, yeah. there is a scene where the pregnant scientist does something terrible, you know, in issue three. And I'm like, the fuck are you doing? You know, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, she, you know, 
so the setup on this book is that there is an independence, uh, independent science, uh, research station, mm-hmm. uh, and they're, you know, they're essentially researching, you know, aliens, right. And, uh, Waylon Yutani finds out what they've been researching and buys the research station. And so the scientist, lady scientist, lady pregnant scientist and her family, uh, are trying to get off planet with the research. Uh, she, hijinks are going on, you know, the, 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 you know, aliens are starting to wake up. It's a frozen world and they were all frozen and now they're, they're thawing out and she steals the genetic material by injecting it into her unborn child. Yes. And that's how she's going to smuggle it off planet. And, you know, you, you, you see her do this and you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, as expected, things go nuts. And I don't want to spoil issue four. Uh, but but what happens to her is the least surprising thing that happens in the book. Yeah. Um, I, I got to tell you that last page, Paul. Yeah, mind right. exploded. <laughs> I mean, my mind completely exploded. I was just like, okay, okay, we came to play. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, you know, I think I had some comments about the artwork when we first started. Mm-hmm. Um, there is certainly an anime influence here. Yeah. Uh, it's not overpowering. Uh, it is, you know, the book's written by Declan Shalvey, who I really enjoy, and the artwork is by a- Andrea Bracardo. And sh- I got to tell you, she does amazing work in backgrounds, mm-hmm. drawing the tech. This really feels like a 20th Century Fox Aliens movie. Um, I, there is such a uh, tangible nature to the setting. Uh, both exterior and interior, the weapons, the 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 incredible detail she puts into the backgrounds. I've really enjoyed the visual storytelling in this book. Yeah, I haven't as much liked to be the human art. Um, well, I, and that's where it, where it bugs me because every now and again there's just a very anime sort of uh, detailing in the eyes and in the mouths, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, eh. Yeah, it kind of betrays <laughs> the tone of the story, right? Right, it's like, right. It's a little, it feels – some of the art's just a little too lighthearted for the horrible, uh, horrible things. For the horrible, horrible things that are going on. In fact, there there are things in here that I'm like, man, this is straight out of a, out, out of a zombie story. I'm, you know, just the way, the way we're telegraphing the way things are going to go. Uh, and I love it because it just really heightens the tension throughout the book. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it is super tense. I mean, just like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is just crazy. You know, I um, if you are not reading Alien, I highly recommend it because yeah, it's a good book. It is. Book. It is great sci fi horror. You know, it, it it's what you would want from an alien book, but somehow go, goes even beyond that. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely caught me off guard. This this issue more so than than uh, the ones leading up to it. Well, Paul, you know, you and I are both uh, fans of vampire stories and uh, in particular, in particular, Blade as a character. What did you think? What did you think of this week's premiere issue, Blade number one? You know, I think as much as the Alien book surprised me, Blade felt like a paint by numbers Uh 
uh, Blade story. Every Blade comic I've read since the Wesley Snipes movie came out uh-huh. has pretty much felt exactly like this Blade number one. It's the now, we'll same, say the, tone. Yeah, same it tone. It is the exact same tone. Yeah. The art is very pretty. Um, it, it it's it's got a um, very style stylized look to it. Um, kind of anime esque or manga esque. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe not you know too too much, but it, it does feel a little bit like an animated. Uh, movie type drawing style. Uh huh. I I didn't hate this book, but I also felt like I've already read this book until the end. Uh-huh. I mean, there was there was a little nuttiness at the end, but in general, I don't know that it like did anything that I didn't that that's worth me coming back. Everything that you've said, I agree with. I think it is very much in the same sort of artistic tone as uh, the Wesley Snipes Blade movies, but yet not nearly as interesting. Yeah, because um, I, I love those movies. Um, but I miss and I think I think fundamentally what I'm looking for is a return to the core concept of Blade um, you know, we keep getting Blade as superhero, Blade as super cool, and that is not the original core concept of the character. Uh, you know, the Daywalker, you know, Blade, the the child of uh, of a uh, woman and a vampire. Uh, he was very much an outsider. You know, not really comfortable with people, not really comfortable with vampires. Um, but yet the guy we get in this book is sharp. He's put together. He drives a fast car. You know, he uh, you know, he, he is all dressed for clubbing. You know, I really miss sort of the Marv Wolfman, uh, Gene Colan depiction of uh, Blade where, you know, he almost looks like a homeless guy, you know, where he he is uh, he's competent at what he does, but he doesn't really get along with anybody. Um, you know, this this book felt too much like Blade the Avenger, you know, from the Avengers series with I think Jason Aaron was writing him at the time. Uh, I just I, that is not an incarnation of Blade. I enjoy. Yeah. Uh, I want to see, you know, really that that hard edged blade that is, you know, maybe trying to figure out how to interact with human beings, not superheroes, human beings. And I just I, I'm frustrated at the the same kind of storytelling that we the, we always get with Blade these days and really over the last 20 years or more. Yeah, um, that and, you know, no one's trying to do something different with the character. They just yeah, keep there's leaning. no creativity to it. Yeah, there is there is nothing out of the box. There's there's just no uh, there's no core to the character that, that I really find relatable. You know, it's just he's just all go, you know, he's yeah. just always on. And I don't care for that. So I haven't enjoyed a Blade story and since like the Midnight Suns era. Uh-huh. And I know you guys yeah. have enjoyed Blade stuff since then, but I don't for know me, I can say that I have. Honestly, yeah, for I me, I that was the last time the character was really good for me. Mm-hmm. Well, that and have you guys seen uh, things we do in the shadows? Uh, no, I'm not. aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there was an episode where Wesley Snipes did a guest star appearance. They uh, they had a council of vampires and they basically had all of the actors that have played vampires in any kind of media whatsoever guest star on there. And uh, they even gave called them by their first names because they didn't have rights to any of the characters. And Wesley Snipes uh, zooms into the meeting 
and the uh, as the daywalker hmm. who kills vampires. It was incredibly amusing cameo to me that reminded me of those movies and how much I actually enjoyed them. Yeah, I, I think what needs to happen with Blade in the comics is is really sort of a return to form uh, and really take him down to his essentials. You know, get him out of the slick superhero version of the character and really get him back down to, you know, I hate to use the term grim and gritty, <laughs> but that's kind of, that's kind of where yeah. I'd like to see him. And I'd like to see him interact on a more human level and, you know, to have that that contrast between horror you know, the supernatural horror that he's involved in every day. But also, you know, maybe he gets a human girlfriend or he has a human neighbor he likes, you know, just something that grounds the character a little more because he just seems so, you know, off the leash right now. And I don't care for that. Yeah, definitely. They need to bring in someone who has an, a vision for the character and isn't yeah. just going to write the blade that they saw in the movie. Yeah, agreed. Hey, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, from DC Comics, we get the second issue of Night Terrors, the big crossover event that none of us are reading. <laughs> um, Batman, the Brave and the Bold issue three, which I think I'm the only one still reading. Um, and the the big one for me from DC Comics is Superman, the Last Days of Lex Luthor, which is a new graphic novel. Um, I think it's a graphic novel. Uh, I don't know if it's a miniseries or not. Uh, from Mark Wade and Brian Hitch. I think I'm checking that one out. Yeah, yeah, that sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'm curious about that one. Uh, for Marvel Comics, we get the second issue of Ultimate Invasion from, Ooh. again, from Brian Hitch, but with uh, Jonathan. It, it's going to be a Brian Hitch kind of week next week. It is. And I enjoyed issue one. I'm, I'm down for issue two. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Um, and Aaron, if you're still reading Berserker, the second Berserker Ooh. series kicks off next week. Ooh, very exciting because I love Berserker. And I liked how that one ended. I thought the first volume wrapped really, really well. I need, so. I need to read it. I've oh, been wanting, so yeah, I just haven't had a chance. So good. Keanu wants you to read it, Paul. You know, before we wrap up, Uh-oh. it's just because you mentioned Keanu. Keanu. <laughs> so Keanu Reeves has a band called, I think, I don't know, something dog. Rock dog? Uh-huh. No, can't be. It's It can't be. It can't be that bad. They shouldn't um, have killed his dog. Is that the name of, of the... maybe um, <laughs> dog star? It's dog star. And so they announced that they are touring, um, you know, for the first time in like 20 years or something. And I got to tell you, like Hampton Roads, Virginia or, you know, coastal Virginia area where I live uh-huh. went crazy about Keanu <laughs> and his his band that no one gives a shit about coming to our local uh, venue. And I think they're coming in November or December. Uh-huh. That concert sold out in like 10 seconds. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like my family was texting me about it. My brother was texting <laughs> me about it. I had friends texting me about it. I'm like, I don't, I don't need to go to see Keanu Reeves. I guarantee it's not a good show, but uh, I think people just want it to be in the same room as, as John as, Wick. As, as Keanu. Keanu yeah. is a worship word, Paul. I get it. I get yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hey, we want to know what you think about Keanu Reeves and his uh, <laughs> band. They shouldn't have killed his dog. Dog's- we, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what you thought about this week's books. Read that alien book and tell us what you think about it. Give us a shout at funnybooks at iomgeek.com. And if we use your comment in a future show, you could win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. You can also hit us up on social media, iomgeek, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and threads. Threads? Don't forget threads. I feel like uh, everyone's already forgotten threads. Nobody's forgotten threads, Paul. Threads is the big thing. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> it's it's huge. 
All right. Well, we will uh, talk to you guys next week and we'll, uh, you know, unpack whatever else uh, San Diego has to tell us and uh, look forward to chatting with you guys soon. See you then. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.